Coming to you live, this is your MTG Action 4 News Team. Hello, this is MTG Action 4 News, your news team for keeping things fresh in the multiverse. I'm Mr. Commodore 5, providing you new ways to lose your friends. Then we have Big Tuck, your breaking news source. Yes, and as I am known to say that whenever a, quote, friend makes a critical error and causes me to lose the game, then cannot win it themselves, love, love never means having to say you're sorry. That was we obscure. We getting caught up on meta traffic with the weather light report. This is the next one on the list. <laughs> oh, I'm bringing you the beat on the street. Then we have the head of EDH, the OG godfather, Ooh. Sheldon Minery. The one, the only. Yeah. Life is too short to drink bad booze. Oh, hey. Hey, that's what I like to see. Respect. That's what I like to see. Thank you for tuning into your number six source of Magic the Gathering news. We are excited to be nominated for an Emmy Cruel. Make Woo. sure you go vote mpgcca.org. Yeah, Fifth place, sixth place, tenth place. We'll take Whatever. it all. We'll take, it. We'll take any I, place. If we get tenth place, I'm going to be depressed. I don't think there's ten people nominated in our category. <laughs> hey, we were nominated. Just know that. That's all that's the, important. The votes were so low that we couldn't even put them in the actual amounts. <laughs> we're going to start off the top of the cast of latest in Carnage that ensued with... 45 in the dash. So uh, it's been great. I'm so excited that the weather's nice and I got my vaccines. So, you know, my my friend groups that are uh, concerned with things like that or have predicament households are, are comfortable being IRL. Uh, and so I've been able to get games live two weeks in a row. Nice. Yeah, bonkers. buddy. Um, and this particular game that I want to talk about is hilarious because it was with uh, Sir Nathan. He was playing Torolf, that new mono-red uh, commander from Kaldheim, uh, that basically whenever uh, creatures receive non-combat damage, any of the excess damage, they can then, uh, he could fling it at wherever he wants. Right, 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 yeah. Kind of disgusting. He's a giant, uh, I, right, if I'm not mistaken? What's up? He's a giant, is he not? Probably, yes. I think he's modeled after Thor. Yeah, definitely is um, a giant. Well, let me tell you, he threw around giant amounts of damage in this game. Uh, I was playing Ruik Thar. Mr. Magoo, second week in a row, was playing Jaleva. And then the godfather of HDF, Half Dragon Flatlander, was playing Gerard Weatherlight. Uh, also also known as Half Chub. Half Chub. Just, just for those playing or, the whole game. Or HDF, you know, whatever. Um, so... The game was super fun because I was able to turn one birds, turn two into like a mana dork to tap for two, and I got Rook Thard out on turn three. Which everyone just wet themselves over. Um, <laughs> Yikes. So, of course, I was just. I'm know, pretty getting... sure you could play a land on turn three and people would wet themselves. That's true. I don't know why. I'm a friendly player. I play the friendliest uh -huh. decks. <laughs> you do. Sometimes. Uh, Never. And so, um, you know, it was, we were just doing stuff. You know, I ended up taking damage from. Uh, Ruik Thar myself because I thought it'd be funny uh, to to do whatever I did. I think it was like a Furnace of Wrath or something like that. And eventually I ended up dying. Uh, Sir Nathan made it his number one goal to kill me. But here's where the game got fun. There was eight creatures on the board. You guys know where I'm going with this. Torolf was on the battlefield with a Basilisk Caller on it. The dude plays Blasphemous Act. Oh my lord. Mm -hmm. He yep. goes to 111 life because he gained all the life uh -huh. from the Basilisk Caller. Yeah. Straight up killed me. No way he was going to let me live. But then he was at a crossroads. Mission accomplished. Jaleva was super annoying to what 
like because Juleva at the time was kind of almost like a control deck which that's not really how Mr. Magoo operates it's just kind of the way it was he'd play it he'd get some board wipes and stuff with her exile effects so Sir Nathan was bugged by that but he he let his kind heart get the best of him because he said you know what instead of killing two people I'm just going to kill one person and then my other two opponents I'm going to put you down in the teens from a life total perspective I'm going to get you pretty low Biggest mistake of uh, Sir Nathan's <laughs> Sunday, not of his life, definitely not of that game, but of that general 24-hour period, uh, because what ended up happening is the game drug on for another hour and a half. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Sir Nathan wanted to quit, but he refused to because pride. And Mr. Magoo, through Jaleva casting, probably exiled collect like total for each player 40 cards per player oh my god that's how many jaleva exile effects he had done he was bouncing her to her hand playing it from the command zone for 10 or 12. it just got disgusting so eventually when sir nathan had the means he he went and killed mr magoo and it's a one-on-one he's at like 80 or 90 life at this point and i think the Uh godfather was at like 20 maybe the godfather pulled out the win no way yes he literally <laughs> just kept board wiping because that's what gerard does it's board yeah. wipe dot deck but then he got a <clears throat> oh gosh drawing a blank on it it's a card i hate and it's not stuffy doll it is brash taunter Ooh, uh, he had a yes. brash taunter out there with brash taunter with world it. slayer Oh, oh, no. oh no! And oh, I gave no. him that world slayer. I'm oh, so happy no. he used that. Oh yeah. no! I remember. I remember reading that card and thinking to myself, "Well, this isn't my binder. I'm never going to use it." But damn it, if the Godfather wouldn't have some fun with that. Yeah, and so uh, Sir Nathan had no creatures to, to be able to block with at the time, so he just swung, blew up all his lands, blew up everything. But he kept a brash taunter, and so Sir Nathan, it was like, "Okay, I scoop." Long story short. If you come out real hard with Rurik Thar, you're going to die first. Yeah. Um, yeah if generally. you get to fling out like 80-something damage with Torolf, kill as many people as you can. Don't uh-huh. try to be the friendly guy. Yeah. And lastly, be weary of the Godfather. So. Every once He's in a while, looming in the background yeah, with all sorts of cards from Squeeze Binder. Every, every once in a while, you can, co- you can come in and do some work. Squee McGee, any games you would like to talk about? Uh, don't have a game. I've been making progress on my my Belby, and I need to ask, and now I'm bringing this up for a very specific point, because we have the actual godfather of EDH. Is it pronounced Belby, the Corrupted Observer, or Belbay? I would say Belby. Belby. All right. It could just be That Bell. is going to... That but, is, she, but, she, oh but she's also your she is your she's your personal bell bay at this point though right like she well, she she your bay she, she is on her way to being my bell bay however mm. i do not have enough cards to make bell bay a bay in itself um all right that's all i had i really just wanted to know that that's going to save me so much mental anguish over the course of the next couple of years for for backstory i'm building a bell b cedh deck and it's my first cedh deck that i'm building and we're gonna see how that goes but oh i've just been going back and forth and i've been watching videos and nobody pronounces it the same so there it is <laughs> you have it here folks Belby, done moving on sheldon are there any games in recent memory that you think would be worth talking about yeah i, I actually just last night 
was playing on Kess Wiley's stream. So it was Kess, Ben Bateman, and Tarmocat, uh, and me. Uh, Kess was playing OG Chesa. Ben was playing the new Prismari Dragon, and mm -hmm. Kat was playing Marin. Uh, I was playing Intet. So it's a, sort of late in the game. Ben is already dead. Uh, I've gotten Exaxes on him with some uh, um, plant tokens, some Avenger of Zendikar tokens. So, and, and on the last turn, I've gotten a Nick Bloom Ancient into play off of my oh, player portal by tapping Cradle. Oh, no. Uh, but yeah, at that point, you know, at that point, um, I don't have too much action. Cat has a really big board uh, and 22 life. Um, Cast has less of a board uh, and like 50 life. Uh, so at the end of Cast's turn, I tap everything and cast Electro Dominance. Oh, for God. For 25. Killing oh, cat. Oh, sure, sure. And the card that I cast off of Electro Dominance was Frexian Metamorph. Oh, so cast didn't have an action. In the car? So when no, we came in. I copied Nick's Bloom Ancient. Oh, and uh, the previous turn I had set this up with a scroll rack, so so I knew that the top card on my library was Bonfire the Damned. <laughs> oh god <laughs> and here we go again so I, I untapped I, I untapped and miracled Kess for 224 224 <laughs> but wait I have a question did that kill him he played the newly reprinted Angel's Grace and lived to fight another round <laughs> well here's the thing he had he had a really underplayed card for a long time in the game called Martyr's Cause. Oh, yeah. Oh, and sure. with my Intet deck, about the only way that I can get around this is play Aura Thief and steal it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, fortunately, Cat was kind enough when she blew up my Planar Bridge to also blow up his Martyr's Cause. Uh, otherwise, otherwise, I don't think I could win the game. Oh, okay. I'm very glad you brought up Martyr's Cause because fog effects are one of my favorite things in all of Magic. And oh, what a good one! Listen, kids, what a good one. Stay in school. You heard it. Eat your vegetables. Play your fogs. Yes. If you if you said it, yeah, yes. which is which? If I remember Mr. correctly, Mr. Combo Big Tuck, you both can suck it. That was uh, <laughs> I believe told. that was I believe heard. That was, I believe that was your catchphrase last time you were on this your podcast. And I thought you were going to double down with it today. <laughs> oh man, it just God. warms my heart, my soul. I am going to to cheers you a drink on that one. Play your fogs, kids. <laughs> Big Tuck seems like a uh, dumb question to ask. As yeah. we talked precast about uh, your technology woes. But have you been able to do any gaming since you've moved? I have not, and I was, I had it, I'm a very, try to be a very calendar organized person, and I had it listed today. There's a game shop that I can bike to for my new place. And after work, quote unquote work today, rather, I was going to go and check it out. 
And right before I left, I was looking up directions. It's closed on Tuesdays. So that calendar <laughs> event got moved what to... A random, what a random day to be closed. Uh, yeah. Hey, Taco I'm, Tuesday. They just really like tacos. Ex- exactly. So <laughs> I don't believe it was 420 related, um, but I am going to check that out tomorrow. So uh, maybe I'll figure out if they uh, if they jam games there, IRL, uh, sometime during the week. James, awesome. not a word. Sure it is. All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap up 40 Life at a Dash. Now to cover what's going on in your local multiverse. What's the plane chase? So we thought it would be fun. Uh, you know, whenever we have Sheldon on, uh, and I say that as if it's like some common thing where he's here like <laughs> right. weekly. Yeah, bi-weekly, uh, no big deal. Yeah, another yeah. week. So, you know, this is the second time Sheldon's been on, and whenever we have him, it gives us a unique opportunity, very much like when we get Gavin in the future, to have more complex potential conversations not just oh what are your top white cards that you like or uh how do you feel about cdh versus cd like that that <laughs> stuff you could have conversations with any numerous amount of content creators but when you have someone who's so tied closely to the game like last year i believe we talked through uh like ban list i think we kind of lightly hit on uh rules potential things for the future and this go around if you guys follow uh, Sheldon on Twitter, which you should, at Sheldon Menory, he has been working very closely for Wizards. And Sheldon, is this now for the last year, year and change? Well, I was I was out there um, in Renton for October and November of 2019. Okay. So, so I was in the building. I was in the building for two months wow. uh, working on design of Strixhaven Commander. And, and so, and that's what we thought it would be fun is we've never engaged with someone who's actually been at the ground level of designing a set. So we've just kind of come up with some questions just to ask. Uh, I did just like last year, uh, ask Sheldon, is there anything off limits? And he said, no. So we're going to, we're going to hold Love him it. to that. Uh, we're going to get, uh, the exclusive that black Lotus is getting reprinted. Uh, yes. definitely. Uh, gonna do some Q&A here and of course guys let us know what you think if this is uh, a kind of format that you enjoy when we do have Sheldon on uh, because obviously EDH is boundless there's so many things to talk about um, and I think set design is probably one of the coolest ones so um, what I'd like to do is just Sheldon first give you the floor give us just your general impression your general thought on what it's like you know obviously you started years and years ago from the outside looking in helped develop what edh is today and now you're actually at wizards of the coast helping design these sets so now that you're actually there what's what's the feeling like is it something that's like super exciting when you get in does it almost kind of feel like a job or does it just feel like you're doing what you love and they just so happen to give you stuff for doing it uh just give your general thoughts of being a designer on a set yeah uh, i mean um it it was even better even knowing that it's every magic player's dream to go work inside the building it's even better than you think it might be um, not not only is the work compelling, but the people that you're surrounded with are outstanding. There are just you know a couple of dozen really great magic minds right around you. Uh, and what's really well, one of the things that was really cool was that we were in a cube farm, but they only had the half walls, uh, and there were let's see, it was me, Ethan Fleischer. 
Mark Gottlieb, uh, Eli Schifrin, and then there were four more people in the middle, and then um, Gabe Humphreys and um, Eric Lauer at the top of the queue. So with the half walls, conversations would start about something, and heads would pop up like meerkats. <laughs> Hello. Right? And just, and you know, just philosophical conversation, you know, especially since I was in the building, we were engaged in a lot of philosophical conversations um, about the format. But the, the work, the work is supremely challenging and amazing all at once. Um, and just the environment, the environment that they've cultivated, I can't speak for any place else in, uh, at Wizards of the Coast, but I can tell you in Studio X, the, the atmosphere and attitude is the best work environment I've ever been in. Um, and there, there are just these, these people who have giant brains that you get to engage with on a daily basis. Sometimes it's very serious, sometimes it's very silly. Uh, like one day on one of the whiteboards that uh, was between uh, Lauer's desk and, and Rosewater, who was on the side of the cube, put the question, if you could be any um, company logo, which would it be? Uh, Jolly Green Giant. I think it had to be a food company. Okay. Yeah, if you could be if you be any food company's local. Cap Captain Crunch would be a reasonable answer. Right. So the, I mean, these are the kinds of conversations that start, and um, you know, if people are people are getting congratulated or shouted down uh, for their choices, and uh, you know, there's there's a bunch of laughs. But you then you go into into very serious work, and if uh, if folks think that you can just design magic cards. Um, for the most part, you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> it's, it, it, it is supremely challenging because there are more than one factor that come into things. Uh, sure, in a vacuum, anybody can make a card that's cool. But you have to be making a card, you have to be making cards for the set that you're in that's consistent with that, that plays well with a couple of sets around it. That you know, there, and there are, you know, there are um, commercial concerns. There are all kinds of factors that you have to weigh when you're designing cards. Fortunately for me, uh, on the vision design team, which is the first team that starts with something, we don't, we didn't really care about anything except making cards cool. like make cool cards and that was that was my job for two months wow that that sounds so cool so exciting and i i have always thought about how challenging it would be to design a set because there's just and that'll actually kind of go into one of the questions later uh because there's just so many things that you have to take into consideration and i i think as a community, you know, people like to overreact uh, or just, I guess, as a people, humans like to overreact. Uh, <laughs> and, and so, you know, when, when cards like a jeweled lotus get printed, everyone's like, oh, how the hell could they do that? Oh, it's going to break the format. And then you find out it's like, oh, it's it's a fine card. Like I I actually I got one and then I actually traded it because I didn't find a single one of my 40 decks I wanted it in. 
Uh, but then there's cards like Oko that get printed, and it's like, holy crap, got to ban this in every format possible. Oh, man, Oko, uh, yeah, Oko was a very interesting time. <laughs> correctly, predi- so, correctly predicted by the three of us not to have any sort of impact, and to probably be a bull oh, Absolutely, Thornabell <laughs> Drain was a trash set. Still, uh, still stand by it. Uh, Sheldon, Sheldon, for your reference, uh, we ragged on Throne of Eldraine like it was a horrible set and has nothing going for it and have been eating our words ever since. I bet. Yeah, it was like one of the first five episodes we ever did for Action 4 <laughs> News and boy, did it not age well. Yeah, yeah, so yeah that's actually great. where our not-so-accurate set reviews came from. So let, let's get into some of this Q&A. Um, so you obviously helped with Strixhaven Commander. So I'm kind of curious, when you are brought into a set what kind of context does Wizards of the Coast give you and how early in the process are you brought in? Um, there, it's the, the vision design is probably the second step. Uh, play design mm-hmm. is the third step. So play design is what sort of makes sure the cards work together, are costed correctly, uh, mm-hmm. you know, throw some out, put some new ones in, uh, and sort of um, so it works on the, the more practical matters of and by cost did you mean mana cost and not monetary yes, yes mana cost okay. yeah the, we're we're not concerned with second the secondary market gotcha um but the first part in the process which started sorry probably months before i got there was the world building and doug buyer and his um his team put together this sort of amazing book on the world that would be, be, become to call, be called Shirkshaven. I don't remember, I don't remember if it had a code name um, back then, but it, it was it was like the world design book. And it was there both for artists and for card designers to reference. So we knew that the, that the Black White College was going to be sort of the the wordsmiths and the mean girls and the mm-hmm. um you know this the sort of elite folks and sure. and we knew you know we we knew that uh prismari were going to be the theater people and so forth and so on so they built all that into this great document and even suggested uh other sort of smaller themes that designers could then pick up on so one of the first things I did when I got there was sit down and digest that world building document to, to mm-hmm. see what the what the idea was. Um, and then we got together as a team. It was Ethan Fleischer was our lead, uh, me, Chris Mooney, Noah Milrod, and Ken Nagel. And you know we, we sat down and like, how are we going to approach this commander set? And then we broke up each of the five decks, uh, you know, into, into one person be re- being responsible for the deck. And since I was the rookie, they let me pick first. And, <laughs> and of course, I picked, uh, I picked uh, what would become Silver Quill. Awesome. That is, that is very yeah. exciting. So this this world book, uh, just real quick, is it is it laid out? similar to like an actual novel or is it more just kind of it's it's random like tidbits that you kind of have on there and it's you're, you're kind of piecing the thing together yeah no it's it's more like a wiki uh okay as a matter of fact there's you know there's a there's a site 
in on the internal network that you go and you know uh, there are hot links and everything that you mm-hmm. put back and around and through story elements and um, yeah, schools and uh, ideas for uh, for people that that populate and stuff like that. That kills oh. my next question. I was going to ask if it came in audiobook form as well. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, not. Um, it's actually pretty interesting to hear like the creative process of that because, I, like, if you're looking behind me, there's music equipment. I do a lot of music recording and you know creating songs and writing and that type of stuff. And it sounds like you're using almost a similar process to something that I would do, which would be okay. Somebody says, "Oh, I got a song I want to record," and I go, "All right, let's step back a minute." what what about the song do you like what elements do you really want to put forth you know where is the story coming from how do you want it to sound at the end i think that's really cool and i think that's that's interesting in an artistic and and theory mindset where even in different mediums they they tend to overlap so that's that's pretty fun to hear and, and it sounds like a really collaborative experience which i enjoy as well yeah it was absolutely collaborative so we would go off on our own um and just design cards and Mm -hmm. and put them in a file and then every x days we would come together and meet for a couple hours and each of us would pick like you know three or four of our favorite ideas and talk about you know the 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 progression of things you know how we were moving forward with, with things and of course there would be suggestions hey why don't you think about this instead of that uh, or no that's really cool you know don't don't mess with that at all and uh you know I, again when you're when you're in the room with four other professional designers uh it's it's a pretty heady experience i bet yeah for yeah, sure I- I would have designed Green Lotus because I want to put it in my Reese the Redeem deck. No big deal. <laughs> just a thought. Just putting it out there. Mark, That's all mark, I got to say. Mark it at, uh, <laughs> Reese brought up at 25 minutes, uh, yeah. 49 oh, yeah, seconds. Yeah, do mark. what I can. I do what I can. It, it is my job to bring Reese up every episode. If I don't, one of my co-hosts can fill in. Oh, gosh. All right. Well, so Sheldon, something that I think sits on a lot of the community's mind is, you know, obviously you are staple in the community, <coughs> wizards, recognizing it, bringing you in to even help design sets. But I'm curious, like, I'm curious how much you flex your muscles potentially. Do you have veto power on cards due to EDH implications? Whether that's in the commander set that you actually help design or just even sets where wizards may reach out and say, uh, rules committee, we're curious, you know, here's kind of what's going on. What do you guys think? Do you have veto power to where you can say, uh uh-uh, that thing just, we cannot have that because it will just wreck the format? No. Have you ever tried? Okay, yeah, I, I, have, I have. Thing is scary. I have follow-up questions. Lutri's out there. They got banned day zero. It broke the hearts of one of our uh, uh, local friends because he wanted an otter uh, tribal. Uh, but you know, something like that was that something where you guys were like, "Hey, that that can't exist in EDH." And I mean, if that's still going to move forward, we're probably going to have to ban it. Do you guys ever get to those kind of level of conversations? Yeah, we do. As a matter of fact, you know, there there have been plenty of times when 
uh, we've seen, you know, a card or an idea and during the process and said, yeah, here are the problems with that. Or we prefer you don't do it that way. Uh, and for the most part, uh, they they do take our feedback, you know, um, but even even as a designer, once we were done with vision design and handed it off to play design, there's no reach back. They oh, play design could, could, if they wanted to, throw out every card you designed and redesign the deck. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's they, crazy. They can do that. Um, so the RC, the RC is looped in um, to nearly every set and definitely every commander set. But what set isn't a commander set anymore? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Agree. Hundred percent um, agree. So we generally see things, a draft of things, early in the process, and then much later in the process, and. The much later is, um, okay, here is, here is a, a final draft of this set. Um, speak up now if you, if you see any problems. Um, it's know, like at the, the wedding, wedding right before they're yeah. getting married. It's like, yeah. yo, you yeah. got one shot yeah. to yeah. say yeah. that. Yeah. I don't like what's yeah. going on here. And, you know, sometimes that window will only be four or five days that we have to, that we have to comment. Wow. So has there, and kind of on top of that, I mean, since that, since that process has been happening, have there been times where you and the RC have like, wish you had the veto power to at least to stop a mechanic, to stop a specific card? Like even, even though you said it's kind of like inevitable and like the stone's already rolling, do you wish that there's been times or has there been a specific examples that you can think of where you're like, we really wish we had that kind of power or we're like it cued into the point where we could have just been like, no, stop it. See, if I say yes to that, then you're going to start speculating on <laughs> accurate, very accurate. Yes, correct. <laughs> so, so privilege communication I, I, between the RC and and uh, Studio X is privilege communication. There we go. Uh, I, f I feel like that's a lot like uh, Sheldon when we had you on in December. I specifically asked you if partners were coming back and you were like, no comment. And I was like, okay, that, that confirms it. And then look mm -hmm. at that commander legends a year later, we get partners back. Yeah. Uh, so I'll, I, I'll, I, I'll, we'll, we'll read between your audio lines there. I, I do like the term privileged information as well. That's, yeah, that's that very, is nice. Is that a magic? Nice. That sounds like a magic card. Is it, is it? Ooh, it should be. So, uh, well, privileged position, but not, not privileged information. Yeah. Uh, so sounds like a blue card to me. Sounds like you'll draw twenty cards for three mana. I think I think we're onto something here. Uh, Commander Legends was still in design uh, when I was there. Now, oh okay. yeah, yeah, it was already in play design. So uh, while I didn't work on it, I did have some input. And um, you know, every few days I would read the file and see how things were going. And uh, the lead designer was Jules Robbins. And I think the thing that I said most often while I was at Wizards of the Coast was, Jules, we need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this, I think, will be a quick question. And then I got one more general and then I'll kind of hand it over to Squee. Um, you've already kind of answered it. You basically have like a four day window, give or take, to say, guys, we got to like pump the brakes on this. <clears throat> So, 
Obviously, sets are designed a year and a half in advance at minimum, it sounds like. Maybe yeah, even two years. Closer to two, yeah. So, do you ever actually or wish you would have been brought back in after a design has been completed? So, let's just go with Strict Saving because that's the one that just came out that was getting worked on in fall 2019. Uh, then, you know, the set gets completed. You know, how long does it usually take? Is it three, four months? Uh, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a little longer than that. Okay, so let, let's just go ahead and go with uh, June uh, of 2020. Uh, new set comes out, something that the game designers just did not foresee absolutely becomes busted completely broken and it's like oh no that dot is going to connect to this set that comes out like in a year and it's going to get even worse or it's going to enable something really bad that we didn't foresee do you guys ever get brought back in or consulted due to unforeseen circumstances with game health after technically a set should be completed game health no okay um, uh like you know there's no there, there's no sort of um, there's not really anybody there that is um, involved in Commander as a format, um, as far as the health of the format concerned. That's our job, right? Our mm -hmm. our job is is to take care of that, and we've been very clear with them that you know we're going to advise you during the process. Uh, but if you choose to print something that we think is bad for the format, we're going to ban it. That is that is a very clearly spoken line of demarcation, and mm -hmm. um, and uh, very some some very high ranking people uh, there have said, if that's what you need to do, go ahead. Oof. Yeah. Well, and you know, and I think that's an interesting point stance that they would take. More because, so Sheldon, I, I've been working in like the corporate world for better part of over a decade. And so, you know, I, I understand business sides and how they kind of make decisions. Um, and it shocks me because I think we can all agree Commander is the biggest cash cow that Wizards of the Coast has. And mm -hmm. so, you know, whenever I would hear like a, hey, you got to do what you got to do, unless it's really going to pump tons of value into... Uh, standard modern whatever the other constructed 60 card format is you would mm -hmm. think it'd be like well we want this design we think it'd be cool for commander but god we don't want it to get banned kind of like a lutri would be a good example it's like maybe we need to tweak this card a little bit because people might want to play with the legendary otter and that could drive people to buy booster boxes and packs which is how wizards makes their money because like you said earlier secondary market they could care less yeah the as a matter of fact the Companion and Lutri was in design when I was there, and oh. it was a conversation that we had. Yeah, um, <laughs> and uh, you know this this card this card is probably bannable um, from day zero, and of course we did. I mean, we we consulted with them, we talked to them. And, sure. Um, like we just yeah this is a bridge too far so mm -hmm. so we banned it but yeah the um there were there were a couple of things that were seeing the results of uh, that were in the works while i was there as a matter of fact um there were a lot of people who thought that we were a little slow on the response to change the commander dies trigger 
Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. we had made that decision most of a year before we actually implemented it. Interesting. And yeah. that was and that was because we wanted the to give the online programmers the chance to catch up. Oh, okay. Oh. So, you know, we, yeah. we we on the RC and the folks at Wizards of the Coast want paper magic to operate as closely as possible as it does online. Yeah. yeah. So Makes there sense. are times when we're like, all right, we're gonna make this decision uh, and uh, their, their uh, request is, well, can you give us some time to... Yeah. Uh, this one, this one line of rules change is going to take 16 months for our programmers <laughs> to figure out because they already have a production backlog of two years of fixes for MTGO. So you really, is this what you really want? Yeah. Um, and of course we knew that we knew that, uh, lessons and learn were going to be in this set. Uh, they, mm-hmm. I don't think lesson changed or learn changed very much from the original design. Um, but, uh, we, you know, we, we talked about it, we talked about it when I was there and, and we're like, wishes aren't something that we want in commander, but like yeah. we, we don't want, you know, we don't want sideboards, uh, because of their association with competitive play. And we want to do our best to, to distance ourselves as much as we can from, from tournament play. And a sideboard is only a tournament artifact. It's sure. not an it's not an in-game sh- construct. And we were uh, we were we were sitting there one day. Uh, Eli Schiffer and I, who was the rules manager back then, were she was talking about it. And we finished the conversation, and we both turned back around because we kind of we sat diagonally from each other. Um, turned back around, and I remember opening a window. And not even looking at what I was opening, I turned back around. I said, Eli, can we just add the word other to rule 11? Mm-hmm. And he, he looked at me for a second. And he's like, why didn't we think of that before? <laughs> <laughs> it's so simple. It's so, it's simple. so simple. So yeah. um, we made, to be honest, we made an exception for companion because we thought the mechanic was super cool. Sure. Right? We, we thought that it had lots of possibilities. Um, I think that there was a strong argument that the companion be the 100th card, not the 101st. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you know, that's not the way they went in the end. Uh, and you know, we, we saw what happened with companion, but we were, we were certainly involved on the ground floor from that and it went mostly the way that we wanted (laughs) okay well the last question i had before i pass it over to my co-hosts um open-ended it's not something you've done but i'm very curious what plane would you love to design a set for and why? And I understand commanders outside of the Strixhaven one that's a little bit different. And, you know, they're starting to do it with the standard sets to have the commander on the same plane. But just in general, they say, Sheldon, come on up to Washington. Uh, we want you to, you know, be lead designer. What plane do you want to do? What would you pick and why? Well, I have to be honest that I don't know too many of the planes other than the 
big ones that we put sets in. You mean that okay. you wouldn't automatically choose an obscure card for one of the plane shift planes that no one knows and it's only referenced in some <laughs> novel that's out of print from 1992 or 94 rather. Yeah. That, well, that doesn't immediately hop to mind. I, I think there's there are probably some cool planes in um in plane chase. Mm -hmm. Um but I'd have to I'd have to go over the list to to see what uh, what there is. Uh, I think I think the clear argument any, that, that anybody with any sense would make, of course, is to put a set on the goat plane. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> yes. Because we need more goats. <laughs> yeah. I, I, thought, I, thought, I thought your other answer might have been like... Goat tribal is it. Well, considering the success of some of the secret lairs, we felt that, you know, maybe something based on another AMC hit show, like, I don't know, Breaking Bad, would really bring a lot of value and new players into the game. Yeah. Secret no, lair. No, no secret right, right lair now we're thinking, uh, I'm on a goat, new music video, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, if I get to make up a plane then I'll then I'll make up one of my own. Oh, right? okay. Well, that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have a I have an RTG setting that has been running since 1987. Whoa. That's a long time. Uh, I have uh, I took I took the the map wall down because we did some construction up here in the game room. That that wall is 13 feet long or 13 yeah 13 oh, wow. feet long. and uh it was it was full of map that's crazy that's pretty cool though yeah, yeah i actually um, had um pre-pandemic um rob alexander came to visit me and we talked about him actually doing a painting of my map uh that that, that has fallen by the wayside but yeah, <laughs> sure. maybe we'll pick you know, maybe i'll pick that back up again yeah, I mean, I mean that would even be cool. Granted, I mean, with the map that big, I don't know if you could fit it, but uh, that'd be a cool Kickstarter to do one day uh, to get the uh, the table sized play mat, but have it be your map. That'd be something kind of oh, neat. That would where be it sweet. Four people. Yeah, actually, Alan Hockman and I, and I have already talked about that. Alan from Past oh, okay. Games, but we talked about that uh, again. That was kind of pre-pandemic, and it was a conversation sure. that got left on the side of the road. Well, uh, Squee, do you have any questions you'd like to ask Sheldon? I do. I got a couple hot ones. Uh, coming in, looking for information. We're going to see what we get. If you want to give me a one-word answer of no or yes, fine as well. <laughs> no problem. Uh, first question. How do you feel about the number of sets that are coming out in a given year? As I have seen over the last couple of years, that that number has been increasing pretty dramatically. And I, th I think this is this is fairly fairly hot across the community as to you know a new set's coming out every month or two months, give or take. Um, so I'm just curious your thoughts on that. Do you think it's good for the the EDH format in general or Magic in general, or do you have any any disdain towards that? As an inveterate Magic fanboy, I am thoroughly excited. Uh, as an as an Practical adult human being, <laughs> I just can't keep up. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> even that, that you, even you, on the inside, yeah. Even you, a god amongst man, cannot keep up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I want to build. Like you know, I said that I was gonna once I finish the 
um, the prismatic project where I did all 32 color combinations and then did it over again, I said that I was just going to take the best three commanders from every set and build mm -hmm. them. And, right. um, you know, I'm, I think I might be two or three years behind by now. Yeah. It's hard to what, like 26 to 40 decks a, a yeah, month. I was just sorry, <laughs> a year, not a month, but <laughs> yeah, that's a tall task. Interesting. All right. Well, that, that makes me feel good because I also have been overwhelmed, uh, as I believe a lot of people have. Not to say that that's necessarily a bad thing because there is so much new magic product coming out. Uh, other question I have, another hot button topic. We'll be quick here. Say, for example, you're, you're in Washington at Wizards and you're working on a set and design. And you're you're in your groundhog where people are popping up and, and looking over the, the shelves to, to ask questions and things. How do you approach the power level of different colors within magic? So say, for example, is that a discussion even where you'd say, well, we feel like X, Y, Z and EDH color has more power than others. And I'll leave all of that blank to be anonymous. Um we feel like these colors have more power than other colors do in the format. Do we want to try and fix that or do we want to keep the course? How does that look? Well, the, the, the council of colors certainly wants to keep the color pie relatively secure. Uh, okay. That being said, there, there's obviously room to move. And we, in the, you know, in the year and a half since I left there, we've seen some of the evidence of that, right? Sure. You know, we've seen white becoming the sort of catch up color when it comes right. to, right. Um, and, you know, instead of bringing everybody down, it's-, it's You heard it from Sheldon, not from me. I said nothing, I said nothing. Pulling people <laughs> up. So, um, I, you know, there can, can this color do more that's within the color pie? Yeah, the answer is yes. Power level, power level is a, is a very um, nebulous construct. Mm -hmm. um, what does it mean? Power level, power level of a single card is different than power level of ten different cards combined. So you you have to you have to think about what, what you're saying there. the The general idea is it's not done top down like you're suggesting, but bottom up. Here's a okay. cool design. How does it fit? Uh, like, you know, it is, it is two mana for a 2020 trampler with no drawback, <laughs> too little. And, you know, obviously the answer is yes. So in design you, and, you know, in vision and in play design, you work those things out. Um, but there's, yeah, power level is a, is a really fraught phrase at best. Um, and the the thing is, yes, there is power creep. Mm -hmm. You know the 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 game creatures creatures in twenty twenty one are better than they were in two thousand one, and better than they were in nineteen ninety six. And we <laughs> we have seen that the um, coincidental rise of the popularity of magic with the rise of powers of creatures. And I think that's because creatures are a more uh, creatures and combat are a more accessible uh, mechanic than 
the very sort of very complicated uh, sort of combo and spell oriented game that was right. that was you know that was the game for the first seven to ten years. Um, but when that dialed when that dialed back, creatures started getting better. The popularity of the the format shot up, and I'm not going to say it's causal. Um, but it's certainly um, coincidental. And I, gotcha. and, and I have a question, kind of, one of my questions was kind of around that as well. Do you feel that that, this whatever power creep, like you just said about how like, you know, the creatures and spells by and large are better this year than they were. Um, and also by how many new cards are printed each set that, you know, we're seeing the, we're seeing commons, uncommons, even like bulk rares that are okay in some formats, but really, really, really good in commander. Do you feel that's in any way related to this sort of switch over to, I'm not sure what the technical term is it, but like the single block format um, where instead of like three different, you know, releases for a set, we now almost have one. If you look at like War of the Sparks, Ikoria, Strixhaven, Caldham, that kind of run that's coming now, do you feel like that's related or byproduct or do you feel that's completely unrelated and it would have happened even if we were doing like the cons of Tarkir block where we have three mini sets within this one? I have to, that's that's something I have to think about a lot more before I gave an intelligent answer on and, and, and look at and really look at all the moving parts because there are there are quite a few. Um, you know, making a making a new magic card is throwing a stone into a pond, and sometimes you don't know how far that ripple is going to go. Uh, so that's a uh, that's a I think that's a way more complicated question than it actually sounds. Uh, the on the issue of power creep, I think that in Commander we don't have a power creep problem. We have a time creep problem. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. People, people are playing ever faster decks, and then other people are like, "Well, I got to keep up," and yep. they, and that is going to be a downward spiral in, spiral in the madness. Um, yep. And that, and fortunately, there are enough people in the that are playing the format that are that are sort of keeping the original ideal. Preach, preach. Yes. Listen, Collective, we've been talking about this for a long time. I'm looking at most of you. It doesn't have to be the fastest deck in the world. Just have some no. fun with it. <laughs> when I when I sit down to people that I don't know with, my question is not what does your deck do? It's how fast does your deck do it? Mm-hmm. And if you want a game that's over on turn four, then well, we're not gonna have a we're not gonna have a good game. Yeah, and I, and I think just to add a little bit to that, because I am a little bit in the camp of faster decks, but for me, it's I don't, turn four. That's nonsense. Um, but for me, I only have so much free time. Uh, right. Full time job, got got a relationship, uh, friends, and so a two hour plus EDH game is not appealing to me to where a 45 minute to one hour EDH game is because I have in, you know how this is Sheldon having so many decks. If I'm only playing one or two decks every Sunday, which is when we collectively get together and do 40 life at a dash, 
it's going to take me forever to get through all my decks. Uh, I'm never going to get to see them. So I would rather in that five hours that we have on Sunday, I'd rather get in four games opposed to two games. And yeah, you know, one game might go 30 or 40 minutes um, and be over really quick because someone was able to do something. But, you know, if a game's an hour and a half, it's like, okay, it evens out. Uh, I've just tried to stay away from the uh, people are playing land pass, land pass, land nonsense bs common uh and then it's really by turn like eight is when things start to happen for me it's just like gosh i'm i'm wasting my time here and it's something uh we referenced him in 40 life at a dash one of our friends and patron uh sir nathan he actually says that a lot to us he's like guys you know i only have so much time with a wife and kids and, and a job so like my spare time i want to maximize it and use it as best i can and twiddling my thumbs for two and a half hours on a single game is just not enjoyable so i think it's people just need to find that balance of uh, what does your play group want to do how do you want to spend your time and then find people that maybe see it the same way yeah i, I absolutely agree with that yeah. point I'm gonna I'm gonna counter your Ooh. your discussion here with too blue. if you have a block if you have a block of time set aside to play to play commander with your friends why does it matter how many games you play I like that so right? the the idea is to be with your friends sure so the to, to me to me the game is secondary to the to the gathering. And uh, I find in faster games that you have to pay play. You have to pay way more attention to the game, and that means there's little to no socializing. Mm. Whereas in a longer game, you can you know you can bullshit you want. That is kind of interesting. I do like the the view of that because. What that now reminds me of is obviously Commander was built as a social format to have more than two players. And a lot of my disdain towards CEDH, which also to my disdain, I'm building CEDH deck because of <laughs> what we are talking about right now. Um, a lot of my disdain towards the previous formats that I played in in one on one was I hated the person on the other side of the board. <laughs> I wanted them to fail. I wanted them to forget their triggers. I wanted them to forget the rules. I wanted them to mess up. And that's all that was in between me and or them winning the game because generally the decks were almost the same. It was just a back and forth of, I have this deck with this power, I have this deck with this power. All right, I know you're playing that spell next, and then hopefully you miss your trigger and I can swing in or do whatever I need to do to win. Um so that is interesting to me because I think that those other formats do exist now and are still very popular because people do enjoy playing that way. But it is it is interesting hearing from you that EDH, at least in your mind, is not necessarily designed to be a rule one, rule two, rule three, rule four, game over type of yeah. situation. Yeah, I, I, and I think one of the one of the reasons that we're getting some of this speed creep is that is that vintage and legacy are dying formats right yep. yeah. and yeah. and there are people that love those formats that don't have anyone to play with uh i think this is especially um relevant outside of north america and western europe i think uh, in other parts of the world, you have people that want to play uh, these eternal formats, 
and there's simply nobody to play them with. So right. then, so the logical next step for them is to come to the only eternal format that actually has a bunch of players. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, That's so their time. mentalities are are impacting the the global commander environment. That's that tracks. I, I think that pretty much wraps up our Q and A. Uh, obviously, this was great. The one thing, Sheldon, you have to answer it in 15 seconds or less. On the design, how painful was it for you to design these trash common and uncommons? Go. <laughs> it was easy. <laughs> no, I was gonna say those are those are probably the easiest. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that's going to wrap up. What's the plane chase? Now to head in that last segment, Squeed dives into those creative juices with the weather label. Back to the Weatherlight Report, coming to you live from Weatherlight Chopper 5. I'm Squee McGee. All right. Well, we had to do it. Had to, he says. We had to, we had to do it. I've been shitting on these cards because I don't like these secret layers and weird themes oh, that no. cross over to Are other stuff. Are you doing stuff. Red Rhymes? Oh, no. No, I'm talking about Godzilla, King of the Monsters, baby. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, also known as Zillro or Zillortha, sorry, Zillortha Strength Incarnate. Sweet. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, I, I really haven't been a big fan of these crossovers. However, this card design is pretty damn fun, which is why I wanted to do this while you were here, Sheldon. Um, so for those playing the home game, Godzilla King of the Monsters, three colorless, a red, a green. It's a 7-3. It's a... And it's a legendary creature dinosaur, as you could imagine. Uh, has trample and then reads, lethal damage dealt to creatures you control is determined by their power rather than their toughness. I think this is really fun. I think it has a lot of interesting design to our very recent previous conversation in the plane chase. You ain't winning the game on turn four or five with this card, so just know that. Um, but I think this could be a lot of fun to, to throw some, some cards that don't get a lot of play in EDH that may get play in other formats because they are quick, they are powerful, but they are weak on the backside. I'm interested in this. I like this. I think it's fun. Wow. Yeah, it's a it's a cool mechanic. I mean, it's basically reverse of like Arcades or Doran the Siege Tower. Mm -hmm. yep. um, and then Squee, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's tons of cards in Magic that have humongous front sides, but tiny rumpuses. And you just don't want to play it because you know, especially in Commander, you're a singleton format. So, you know, every card slot has to be important to an extent because yep. you don't want to just throw garbage in there. Like, yeah. you know, throwing four of a big front tiny butt uh, in a 60 card deck may not be a big deal. It's like, oh, if it gets killed by a lightning bolt, uh, the constant <laughs> right. meme that won't die. Uh, <laughs> it's no big, no big deal. There's three more. Uh, but right. in Commander, it's like, gosh, you kill it. Hopefully have graveyard recursion, and in these colors, you really don't. So, uh, very, very cool design. I'm yep. also uh, having my mind blown right now because I thought that every single one of these Godzilla cards had an actual functional magic card printed on it. And I don't know if this is the only one, but this is the only way that you can get Zolrath Strength Incarnate from what I can tell. Correct. It was the Buy a Box promo. This, ah, ha, ha, got it. This will be an expensive squee report in a couple of years. Uh, ooh, squee report. Might have to run with that in the future. Uh, all right, so let's talk about the first card here. Uh, we're talking big fronts, no butts, 
Jeans don't fit right. Can't find a pair that works. Uh, Phytotian or Phytotitan. That is P-H-Y-T-O-T-I-T-A-N. Can't decide if it's Phytotitan or Phytotian. It's definitely Phytotitan. I'm glad you're here. You're fixing all of my linguistics that I need to work on during Magic the Gathering. So, Phytotitan. So, four colorless, two green, creature, plant, elemental. It's a rare from M15. When Phytotitan dies, return it to the battlefield tapped under its owner's control at the beginning of his or her next upkeep. And it's a 7-2. Oh, that's pretty sweet. So, I, I, I had some reservations with this because a 7-2 for 6 feels pretty bad. Like, really bad in EDH. However, a seven, essentially seven for six that keeps bringing itself back feels pretty decent. Uh, I don't see this card working in many other decks in EDH, but I do see it working quite well in this deck. And as we've talked about a bajillion times, green has ramp. I'm not too worried about being able to get a six drop into the board here pretty early. And then I think once this gets out, people are going to go, what the hell are you doing with that thing until it comes back three, four, or five times? Until they're like, what the hell are you doing with it until you sacrifice it to greater good every turn? Yep. That's exactly the point I was going to make. Um, I, I got, when I was playing with it, I got a lot of mileage out of it, uh, sacrificing it to greater good, to Bene Supremo, like we say in Italian. Bene Supremo. Yeah. Well, and, and this is. It, and this is a card that you can obviously tell from a design perspective way back in 2013 is when they would have designed it released in 2014 it does exactly what i talked about in the beginning like big fronts tiny butts just are very difficult to justify to play so i think yep. them putting you know instead of giving it some sort of evasion giving it a way to recur itself and, and it comes at your upkeep so it still has summoning sickness so it's not like it's broken under that and it even comes in taps so you can't even block with it it makes it fair but kind of playable and to like sheldon's point i was thinking before you even talked about greater good like a reanimation deck would probably be fine with this because there's enough oh, sacrifice sure. things in there yep. uh and heck, you could even use fling with this. Go ahead and maybe, sacrifice it. Throw maybe seven an at altar of face. the brood oh, for, for yeah, Mr. Baby. Combo. Let's go. Altar of <laughs> the brood. That's part of magic. All right. Uh, let's keep going here. We're, we're, we're talking big fronts and tiny butts all day. Pan glacial worm. Five colorless, two green. It is a creature worm. Looks like an uncommon trample. While you're searching your library, you may play yep. pan glacial oh. worm from your library. It's a 9-5. I mean, you still got to pay its mana. Sure. It to get around that. But yes, I, I pulled one of these in a Mystery Booster Box, I believe. Uh, and I was like, this is really yes. funny. Like, I, yeah, I don't want to play it. It's super interesting. And to me, where I see this being more interesting in this deck, because, yeah, it's seven. It's expensive to play. But say you're late game and you draw one of your land tutors that really hurts your feelings. Yep. It doesn't hurt your feelings so bad anymore because you can then play this while you're searching for your land on turn 8, 9, and 10 and actually get something useful versus another forest, mountain, whatever the case may be. Uh, I thought this card was really interesting. And then a, a 9 power level, that's getting up there in the echelon of power in Magic yeah. as far as creatures coming onto the board and then having a 9 on the backside. You will be able to block most anything that doesn't have flying or some sort of evasion and it's still going to be out there on the board. 
I like this. I like the card design of this a whole lot as well, just because it gives you options late game. And not to worry, people who think that the 58 cents price point for the uh, foil version of this, just in case you're worried about that, it has been reprinted on the list. So the prices are about to go <laughs> oh, yeah, to the bottom. The list. Yeah, this is a mechanic that I would love to see more of. I mean, great, as you, you can't do it like excessively because then it would just slow the game down, which is something I just complained that I don't <laughs> like games going long. But the whole searching your library, you may play it like it's just the versatility is so neat and it would be cool. You don't even have to have it be like super broken stuff. It could be a draw three card spell. That's like while you're searching your library, you could do this and you could draw cards or, uh, you know, let's counter a spell like that'd be kind of neat oh yep spell on the stack let me crack a thing to be able to go search and i have a counter spell that it's almost like a tutor that i could pay four or five for um and it's kind of like on demand it's almost like having a companion mechanic in your deck you just have to have to figure out a way to search yep and if you want to be a real yeah. sweetheart while you're oppositioning agent you can play this card and then it goes under battlefield under their control right isn't that is that yeah. the line of play there <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think you. Oh, See, that's what I'm saying because it's you make. I just looked up opposition. We don't need to go into this. I was, it was a bit, and I was like, should I say something? Because I feel like I kind of have a grip on this. But anyway, we could. We should probably move on. Well, with All that right. being said, I'm just going to go to the next card. This one's a little unsqueeish for the the weatherlight report, as it is in the eight dollar range. <sighs> and I'm sure you've heard of it, but. Damn it if it doesn't fit well here. Uh, combat Celebrant. Two oh, colorless yeah. and a red. Creature Human Warrior. It's a rare. Combat Celebrant hasn't been exerted this turn. You may exert it as it attacks. When you do untap all other creatures you control. And after this phase, there's an additional combat phase. It's a 4-1. So yeah, it fits into the small butts, big fronts. Gives you an extra combat phase, which is what this deck is all about. With a lot of power and a lot of ability to, to come at people. I don't really think I need to talk about this one much more. It seems like it's pretty self-explanatory. But I think this is the perfect embodiment of yeah. what I was talking about to where Combat Celebrant's a good card and I have tried to find homes for it in so many decks and that one toughness yeah, exactly. always hurts. So unless right, I have yeah. ways to make it unblockable or give it flying or menace or something to that effect, a lot of times, because I think I run this in my Brutaclad deck just for that extra combat <laughs> trigger to get the extra mirror. Um, but usually it just dies. And then it's like, all right, right cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I spent, I guess, three mana, waited a whole rotation to get an extra combat. I think I'd rather have just unaggravated Assault at that point. Yeah, this this one was interesting. Again, it's eight and a half dollars. It's generally more than the weatherlight can afford we are a cheap ship we run on the low octane gas okay so last card this one i need help with i put this in here i was trying to read about whether this works or whether this does not work and since we have a member of the rules committee here i think we can figure it out so i'm talking about force of savagery so two colorless in a green creature elemental it's a rare it has trample and it's an eight zero does it survive when it hits the board if your commander's out? No. 
because what, what the commander specifically says, and of course, Sheldon will put me in my place if I'm wrong, it says lethal damage dealt to creatures you control is determined by their power than their toughness. Okay. His toughness okay. being zero is not lethal damage. Uh, I also gotcha. have a quick shout out to the rules here. And I love these ones where there's like, they're these like kind of snarky answers. Uh, rules and no rules, notes and rules information for force of savagery. Yes, comma, force of savagery has zero toughness. It will be put into its owner's graveyard as a state based action immediately upon entering the battlefield, unless an effect puts it on the battlefield with a counter on it. Blah blah blah. <laughs> Just like, all right, we, like, stow the attitude rules committee from almost 15 years ago. So, so funny story. There was a time you wrote that you wrote that you, the funny story is you wrote that line of rules text and I feel like a real <laughs> asshole now. There, there is there there's some reasonable possibility that I wrote that. Wow. Wait, hold on. I, I love I, it. I used to run this. This used to be an all star in my uh, well known format, Tiny Leader Valraz deck. I am imagining that is not the deck that you're running this in. <laughs> um, so there was a time. Um, Maybe 2005, 2007, uh, maybe earlier, 2004, 2006, that um, I was the gatherer rules rep. So I was the person that wrote all the stuff, uh, or at least made sure all the rulings were in gatherer. So, oh my God, you, know, you feel like a dick now? I, I, am, I, am, an, I am an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> it's finally been confirmed after all well, these years. Yeah, we were. Was was I think Paul Barkley was rules manager back then, and um, it was it was a it was fun to occasionally get snarky in uh, in writing some of the rulings. And I suppose this slight one, like the slight thing, is a lot better than like, listen here, moron, what are you doing reading this? Please get out, see some sunlight, or throw yourself <laughs> off of the highway. Uh, but before we transition from this weather report, I already I have the perfect idea. So Sheldon, if you do get consulted for rules, flavor text for what you know, whatever reason, you know they just want to do it to be fun. You guys should create a rules scavenger hunt just to Ooh. stick it to someone. To where if you have to say a rule that has been clearly stated over and over throughout the years, and it's like, damn it, we have to do it again. You have to put in there, uh, you know, rule eleven point a hyphen whatever uh see rules for soul ring and then they have to click the link and then it takes them to the soul ring page and then it says see oh. rules for chromatic lantern and they just Ooh, keep like going that. and going yeah. and going and eventually also, a, a thousand cards down the line it says aren't you glad you just wasted an hour of your life here's the rule and then it's not i also would like us to to come out with a beginner set of evergreen ability explainers so all the cards that come out in this set have the over explained evergreen ability in parentheses but it's in the biggest font that can possibly fit on the card <laughs> i think that would be great so here's, here's the thing about that we've been around a long time and we've all seen rulings and uh discussed cards and figured out how they work for some people it's the first time they're looking up the ruling they haven't been party to the discussion you know, when you're a personality, especially when you go to live events, you meet a lot of people. And it's easy to get jaded and go, ugh, I gotta meet more people because you've met a bunch of people. This this person that's meeting you may be meeting uh, a magic personality for the first time. 
I think it's important to remember that there are always going to be people who, whatever we've done a million times, it's going to be there first. Oh, random people, 100%. You know who I'm talking about, though, Sheldon, when I talk about my endless loop. And I'm talking about those grognards. That's the way Tuck describes them. The people that have been playing Magic for 20 years, they're super snarky. They, 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 they get real loud behind their keyboards and their smartphones. Uh, just sometimes we got to stick it to them. And what better way than to make them waste an hour of their life? Yeah. Well, with that, I'm going to kick it back to the Action 4 News Desk with Mr. Combo, Big Tuck, and Sheldon. Thank you for staying with us, and as always, remember the great giveaways from CMD Tower and Level 1 Game Shop by retweeting, subscribing, following, liking, sharing, and placing orders at level1gameshop.com. You can also support us to head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash cmdtower. We have reward tiers for all the budgets. There is a way that you, the collective, can help. And of course, we do have our store, cmdtower.com slash merch. You can go buy playmats, sleeves, squee tokens, all the different stuff. Anything squee tokens. Have Those to, are squee coins, sir. Squee ah, coins. Coin, <laughs> potato, potato. Uh, <laughs> it's all available on there, so please go buy it, because once again, the running joke, I need this out of my basement. Not also not a joke. With your MTG Action 4 News team by following us on the Twitter, the Facebook, and the website, cmdtower.com. You can communicate directly with the team at CMD Tower, at Sheldon Minery, at Mr. Commodore 5, all spelled out except for the five, at Dear Squee, and at Big Tuck Tweeting. Grim your NTG Action 4 News team. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. And good Sheldon. Oh, 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 oh,